Hello and welcome to Hockey Development Talk. Uh, today I'm with Stephen Tab um, from Old Hillians Hockey Club. Hello, Stephen. Good morning. How are you? Yeah, all good, thank you. Good, good, good. Uh, do you just want to introduce yourself, the roles at the club that you have? Uh, yeah, uh, I'll try and do it as quickly as possible. Um, so I've been chairman of Old Hillians Club uh, Hockey Club for, I think, but I'm never quite sure on this, I think it's 17 years now. Um <laughs> So, yeah, um, within that, I've, I've probably done as many chairmen have done and picked up lots of other roles at various different times as well. So I've done various bits of coaching. Uh, I've taken a lead in umpiring, um, done kit to secretary at times, fixture secretary at times, helped with the finances at times. Um, probably most significantly, recent times, I'm now uh, leading the ladies' programme in terms of coaching. So I, I head up the ladies' programme. Uh, coach the ladies' first team on a Saturday and, and run the ladies' coaching program during the week. Uh, a few roles. <laughs> One or two. I, yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know about some of those. So that's that is a fair few roles uh, in there. Um, just a bit of background. Um, obviously, I first met you. I would say 2012 ish, 2013, 12, end of 12, probably uh, end of 12 around there, wasn't it? Yeah, um, maybe slightly earlier than that, actually. I think it might have been slightly earlier, but, okay. but yeah, well, well, let's go with that. Yeah, it was around there. Um, and obviously, at that point, before then as well, you'd you'd won the England Hockey uh, Volunteer of the Year award as well, if I remember rightly. So. Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, I can't remember when that was. And now we're. So we're... that so that was 2012. So if it was what? if that was the year before I met you, then it was 2013. Then we met there. We go. Uh, I think we met around you winning that award, and then definitely met the year after when you you didn't have a, <laughs> when you didn't have a drink at the awards at That's all. Right. Correct. Yeah, yeah correct. My wife was very heavily pregnant. That's right. She was. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And then I put a picture on social media of you having a drink. So uh, apologies. <laughs> um, and now we're work colleagues. Indeed. Yes. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's, that's a big circle that's gone round into there as well. Um, do you want to <clears throat> just explain uh, then Old Seal Hillians? We've gone, what, 2009 with sort of less than 100 uh, in membership just before London around just under 200 and now we're we're over 500 so similar to my discussions with Scarborough really when you sort of look at look at that you've you've got to sort of take it and go wow there's been there's been some work going on there um we can go in depth in a second around like three or four points but do you want to roughly just sort of summarize three quick points that's uh, that you've you've sort of looked at as a club to get you to where you are yeah, so um, uh, it was actually really interesting listening to the Scarborough talk because there's a lot of similarities between what's been helpful for them as well as a, a few things that are unique to us and a few things that are unique to them. Obviously, yeah. being in Solihull, we don't really have access to a beach. No. <laughs> beach, beach hockey is, isn't exactly something that we come up with, but we've, we've probably looked to do a similar like, approach to how they've, they've engaged with the local community. Um, yeah, so 2009... Um, we we were struggling really as a club we are uh, one of um seven clubs within eight miles of each other um all of which are reasonably successful um doing different things but uh, we're two or three miles down the road from a national league club um who have got a very nice setup uh, we've got another club down the road with its own pitch uh, clubhouse that also has a nice setup another club that historically was stronger than us on the pitch um, so we were we were struggling. We had uh, I think around sixty adult members and about twenty five um, juniors. Wow. Um, so yeah, that was two, about two thousand and nine. Um, 
we we obviously needed to address that um, which we did do and then sort of moving forwards into 2011 2012 we wanted to make sure that we kept the momentum going with uh, the olympics and try to make the most of that and then more recently we've probably we've probably taken another step on so i guess the, the conversation you and i were just having was that the 2009 was about plugging the plugging the gaps filling the filling the holes in in how we delivered stuff so that we we weren't just constantly firefighting and trying to trying to run around trying to get players out for teams and, and working out what the next steps were mm. um, certainly at the time we were we were relying upon a lot upon you know all those phone calls to people that that sometimes play aren't always available try and get them to play this week but then know that they're not available for the next three weeks so you then have to make more phone calls uh, which is probably a model that a lot of people are aware of um, but, but that isn't sustainable so we, we try to work through fixing a lot of those issues um, okay. which we have. Uh, one of which actually involved losing a losing a team so we went down uh, one men's team um, then 2011 2012 uh, we probably moved into or between 2009 and 2012 we, we moved into a period of, of really fixing all of our processes so that we would plugged the gaps now we were making things a bit more efficient because we we identified um some some real issues with why things weren't happening in the club and then i guess in the last couple of years we've been able to move a lot more about forward thinking uh and a, and a longer term strategy yeah 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 okay so with regards to plugging the gaps yeah um do you want to talk us through what what happened there? What was your role then in two thousand and nine? Just do you, can you remember what that was? Or so, well, so I was chairman. You uh, just chairman or uh, no, no no I'd been chairman for a few years. Uh, there's a slightly bizarre um, <laughs> a bizarre situation where um, I became chairman in what two thousand and one I think two thousand and two, um, but then left the club uh, oh. and, and played. So I moved house uh, wow. and I played for my local club that actually happened to play at a higher level. I wanted to play at a higher level and I only wanted to work to, to play just down the road, but stayed on as chairman of the yeah. old Silks. Um, I had a friend, interestingly, who was treasurer, uh, who also did the same, went and played for Edgebaston, but he stayed on as treasurer. Wow. Um, and this is, I guess, a reflection of, of again, it's probably touching on some of the, the stuff that the Scarborough lad said. Uh, we had an affinity to the club. We wanted to help it. Um, and for our particular purposes at the time, we, we just we didn't want to be there. Yeah. Uh, in terms of playing wise but we wanted to help the club so we we did that role i then um got married and had kids and it was that that, that essentially brought me back to the to the sills um and as i came back i kind of looked at it and went right i've really got to help help fix some stuff here and get some get some things moving right so <clears throat> with regards to plugging the gaps was that a, a sit down with the committee look at where the the sort of the issues were highlighting them sort of i suppose a mini swat was it or was it a large uh, swat? Yeah. Uh, no, it, it, it was very much a mini swat and it yeah. was conducted by me and two other people right uh, okay we we just uh didn't really have a huge amount of support right then mm -hmm. about getting stuff forward so actually I, I think i came up with a list of 18 things that we needed to get done in the next year oh, wow um, wow i i sent an email out yeah. to all the people that i thought might help right um, but very much with the um, with the, the sort of tagline under it of these are the 18 things that I'm going to do in the next year. If any of you can help with this, it would be great. Uh, thank you very much. First three responses I had back uh, were three people telling me how busy they were and how they couldn't help. Um, to which I responded, thanks very much for that. That wasn't what I was asking. Um, wow. Thankfully, I then had another two or three that said, I don't really know what I'm, I can do. 
But one guy was like, I work for a marketing company. If I can get, if I can do your flyers, would that help? And that, to my response to that, brilliant. That's exactly the type of response I wanted because I don't have those those contacts. Wow, um, okay. So yeah, so had had this list of sort of eighteen things, um, and got three or four people that came back to to support. But then yeah, realistically, and I know this isn't something that everybody can do. I, I rolled my sleeves up and, and got on with it. Yeah. So what what sort of things you said earlier about one of the gaps you did was around players. So you you deliberately lost a, a men's team to try and stop the the late midweek phone calls or at least reduce them. What what were the gaps? Did we try and fill? Uh, well, a, a lot of it was around coaching. A lot of it was around um, then actually how did we recruit players? So uh, so we did a big push on um, securing grant funding um, right. and and doing some initiatives that brought that allowed us to do outreach work to, to schools um, working in the local community so we were uh, pretty successful in that so um, we, we looked around all the possible different areas you could get funding from so I think we secured some money from Birmingham Airport we yeah. have a fund to support people around the airport in their sort of battle against making noise pollution too much of a thing um, we got some money from the small grants uh, Sport England small grants. Small grants. Yeah. Uh, we went through the big uh, lottery uh, fund at the time. Awards so, for all, it would have been. Awards for all, that's what it was. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so we got money there. Um, and then we also contacted a lot of uh, the people that did work, that, that did play for us, and asked if their businesses did yeah. corporate social responsibility funding or anything like that. So I think across two years, we probably brought in about £30,000 of, of grants yeah. and funding. And what did you use that for? What was the obviously you so, said about going into schools and stuff like that? But... Yeah, so we so we bought loads of kit. Yeah. Um, we uh, we funded some people to go and and do after school clubs. Um, we yeah, so some of the and then some of the kit we bought were things like an inflatable pitch that mm-hmm. we could take. So you know, kind of using the Scarborough example where they they took hockey to people by playing on the beach. Yeah. We took an inflatable pitch into schools. Okay. Um, and stuck it down, and, and there was the wow factor of, of yeah. kids. It was it was actually a Sabutio one that I bought off eBay for two hundred and fifty quid. Um, Blimey! And uh, yeah, you just blew it up, and kids came in, and and you know you played two v two, three v three with a quick sticks ball, um, and and kids loved it. And then we had these flyers to hand out, and, and gave all that stuff out. Um, we looked at we bought a speed gun and a golf net. Um, and so we could do a portable speed gun challenge where people were whacking balls into a golf net. Yeah. Um, so really, the, the the gap we were trying to plug there was that, that we didn't have many uh, ways of bringing new players to the club because, as I say, at the time, the, the 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 local clubs had much nicer facilities, were playing at a higher standard, so we couldn't really. There was nothing. If we tried to entice players from other clubs, it wouldn't work. So we had to spend our entire time just getting new people to play hockey, which again I think is what Scarborough's done, rather yeah. than trying to take players from anybody for, from anywhere else. Um, so we did all that, yeah, and 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 then there was some some various other things that we did, um, just basically around how could we get our name out there a little bit more. How could so we we got involved in running back to hockey programs. We got involved, and and none of them were by themselves a complete success. Mm-hmm. I don't think um, probably that. I guess there was a couple of other things that we did where we were specifically targeting our demographic. So in Solihull, it's an affluent area. There are very few people uh, that come back to the area after um, university because they're generally 
They come, they play up till they're 18, they go to university, they're intelligent, they go off and get a high-powered job somewhere. They might come back once they're in the 30s because they before then they can't afford to live here. So mm-hmm. we have a demographic in our area of kids and old players. Right. So uh, we were very lucky. A, a chap was driven um, to uh, to want to play, to, to set up a vets team. Um, so he set up a, a master's team and, and was a real driving force behind that. Very sadly passed away only two years into that and got killed in a car crash, which was a bit horrendous. But he'd done a, he'd done a fabulous job um, of of getting this vets up and running. And actually for us, it's probably been our biggest recruitment vehicle over the years um, yeah. because people want to play midweek. They don't want to play the weekends. Yeah. Um, I remember but, you actually talking to me about that because I think we were in the office one day and you, you were walking very gingerly through the kitchen uh, in Bisham <laughs> and I asked you what you'd done. You'd been playing a vets game the night before or something like that. So, um, and yeah. so obviously that's still running now, which is brilliant. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, again, we're, we're, we're lucky in the Midlands uh, yeah. or certainly in Warwickshire that the vets scene is very strong. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of people that want to do it. Um, but then equally, I, I, you know, I'd sort of say one of the things we've learned uh, over the years is if it's not there and you've got a demand for it, make it happen. Yeah. Um, so, you know, possibly touch on it later, but but we've set up our own like friendly leagues locally yeah. because we... Uh, we got to the point where we were growing back again as a as a club, and we dropped this adult team. Problem with hockey is you need well these days you probably need twenty new people to join before you can enter a team into a league. Absolutely. Um, mm. So we didn't have that. We had seven or eight, and if you don't give them games, then they choose to go somewhere else. So mm. uh, we set up a Fathoms League. I contacted three or four other clubs in the local area that I knew were probably in similar situations to us, and just went, we haven't got enough to play a full league team, but we have got enough to get seven or eight players out every week and then top it up with three or four other guys who have already played a league game that day um are you in a similar situation yes we are brilliant so we just checked it on fixtures live got formal fixtures sorted um, and played a fathoms league for three years um to the extent that then our men's fifth team grew enough that we've re-entered them into the league yeah um and, and so yeah veterans we just made happen because of the, the sterling efforts of this chapter set it up and, uh, and then we've carried it on and then and then this fathoms league we just made happen i think the same applies for lots of things people people wait for county associations to do it and leagues to do it and they never will because they haven't got the time to no agreed agreed so just just coming back to plugging the gaps yeah um, grant funding supported you to go into school buy equipment put on uh, i would say extra curricular activities maybe attend events as well to promote your yes club. correct yeah, yeah. And, and, then, and then we we also made sure we linked in with uh, the local sports partnership as well csw right. sport that's probably been one of the biggest factors uh, i had a conversation with csw sports uh, around 2010 and, and said you know we've got kits that we can provide to schools yeah. so part of the grant funding we bought i think 15 bags of quick sticks kit Okay. Um, or into hockey kit and, and wanted to give it to schools and support it with some coaching yeah. and CSW Sport turned around to me and said nobody plays hockey in Warwickshire um, which if you know the Midlands Warwickshire is the biggest county in terms of hockey playing we've right. got 23 clubs uh, we've got a lot of kids in the player pathway these days but even back then we had there was a lot of people playing hockey so right. the county sports partnership didn't buy into it we were lucky enough when 2012 came along that they put hockey into the youth games Right, uh, the school school games, and okay. uh, and that's made a massive difference because yeah. there are now playing opportunities for a lot of these schools. We're working mm. with a lot of schools prior to that, and and so that, yeah, it it. I don't think there's any one single factor that I could say has has influenced everything, but it's just a case of 
loads of stuff, loads yeah. of little things tied together. Yeah, so the the different ways to play for your vets, for others coming to the club as well, was obviously quite important from what you're saying there. Yeah. Um, and obviously trying to link to your local sports partnership. So that's that's some stuff there where clubs can definitely get in get in touch um, with either yourselves or yeah, absolutely. Like their local yeah. regional manager anyway, and just sort of talk to them. First things first, they probably want to know what sort of funding possibly is available. And some some of that that you've spoke about is, is still out there and still available anyway with Sport England's uh, small grant bids, you know, the awards for all, etc. And they're, they're sort of things where clubs can definitely sort of tap into um, and look at purchasing equipment and supporting that with different events. The other bits that you mentioned with regards to the Vets League and with regard, you know, that, that sort of stuff there, that that's just a conversation that you need with your other clubs, you know, build a relationship with other local clubs. We're in this situation here, it'd be midweek, well, what's, what's your thoughts? You know, can we, even if it just starts with a Vets knockabout where it's just to turn up on the evening, so many from each club and what can you do? You know, yeah, six aside, seven aside, yeah, whatever absolutely. it needs to be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I think one of the other things, one of the things I didn't mention, which we also did, was we uh, we approached the local cricket club, and okay. we did a dual membership with them. Oh. Wow. Uh, so basically, if if uh, any of the lads playing cricket or girls playing cricket uh, came along to us and quoted that they uh, played cricket for Dorridge Cricket Club, as it happened to be, yeah. we gave them membership for fifteen quid at the hockey club, okay. um, and equally we did a reciprocal thing. Um, where the cricket club, if they went on to the cricket club and told them they play hockey at the Sills, they'd get a reduced fee. I'm not quite sure what the cricket club offered, but um, right. But yeah, it was just to to try and get the cricket club as a sort of uh, uh, sport that runs at a different time and, and there's often a, a lot of crossover in terms of the kids that play it. Yeah. Uh, trying to get them to do some marketing and advertising for us. Okay, that's good. Good. So you know, working with your with your with your neighbour in some respects. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Good. So that's plugged the gap. Next bit was we've started to grow a bit, and you've said the second sort of area of development was around processes. Do you want to talk to us around processes? Yeah. So we we started taking a look at what now that we weren't leaking out the bottom, and it wasn't just a a, a, a free fall every week to just try and get sides out. Yeah. We started to take a look at what were causing us the real headaches, uh, and I guess there was um, one thing was captains. We were really struggling that that none of our captains really wanted to do the job for longer than a year. Um, and when we sat down and chatted to them all, not completely, but but usually the two reasons that came out of it were player availability, they didn't know who was available, who wasn't, and having to collect match fees. Um, so we, we as a committee sort of sat down and, and had a conversation and decided that actually probably the best way to fix that was to was to move onto a um, onto a, a web system that would manage a lot of that stuff for us. So historically, we'd run our own website, um, and it kind of worked. And it and it had it, it would have worked really well if people had used it, but they didn't. Um, so and it took up a lot of my time because one of the other jobs I was doing was webmaster. So I built the website, um, but I'm not great at that kind of stuff. So it didn't it didn't work all the time and whatever. So we so we took a look at all the all the market offers out there so we tried club bars so we had trial of our versions of club bars pitch hero team up um and and just to kind of work through those and trial them to see what they would do and in the end plump the pitch hero because we felt that whilst it was probably the cost most costly version of those actually had the most benefits and was the most forward thinking in terms of some of the things that it would help us fix um so yeah we've we've been with pitch hero now for 
I'm guessing eight years, uh, nine years maybe. Um, and uh, still really, really like the platform. Um, all the challenges we've had with it, picture are aware of, and they, they continue to, to try and improve those. One of the other things we did was we moved from a, um, a annual sub and um, match fee basis to a one fee covers everything all season. Um, which could be paid in lump at the start or could be paid as a direct debit uh, or a standing order, sorry, in, in five payments across the season. And what that meant is it took away all the stress for the captains having to collect match fees on people. They could just organise the team. Um, and then Pitchero with its availability stuff uh, allows you to see in advance which weeks you're likely to be having problems. So you can start having conversations with people, you know, the occasional players whether they could make themselves available for three Saturdays time, because you know that of your regular players, they're not going to be available. So um, yeah, things like that. Uh, so pitch hero certainly was one of the, one of the big ones we looked at in terms of fixing processes. Um, bizarrely getting a kit shed. That was another one. Um, so actually just investing in a decent place to put kit next to the pitch so that goalkeeping stuff could be put in there. First aid kits could be put in there. So again, we weren't relying upon captains to have to run around to fetch first aid kits off people or whatever. And, and so our, yeah, our kit shed has kit has first aid kits in it, full first aid kits, but then also has big boxes of uh, ice packs, steri strips, and, and antiseptic wipes, which are the three things that everybody knows in hockey are the three things that get used all the time. Mm. Um, so that, yeah, so people just replenish those whenever they want, whenever they're next to the pitch. Um, sets of balls just sat in there and it just made people's lives easier and it's amazing what a difference that has made because now our captains um pretty much stay on at least for three years um our first team captains kind of openly and very stupidly made the statement that he'll stay on until we don't want him anymore um which right. is great from a, from a men's perspective because yeah. uh, he's also one of our best players but but it's still uh I, I, he may he may choose to regret that but but again we've we've a lot of our other captains, second, third, fourth, fifth, uh, are now guys that are doing it repeat years. And what that just means is that the planning and the, even stuff like recruitment and running stuff over the summer just becomes so much easier because the, the people know who to contact and, yeah. and there's a central point of contact. And, and the club captain knows who to speak to early enough in the season to get stuff sorted, to have the early captains meetings about selection and all that kind of stuff with if you're still scrabbling around trying to find captains every year, it, you, you just lose the ability to do that. Um, so yeah, kit shed has helped from that perspective as well. Um, it's also meant we've, we've had a good place that lots of people can use decent bits of kit. Uh, it's all locked up and all that kind of stuff. Cured. Yeah. Cured. yeah. So, I mean, uh, a club will now be thinking, right, I want a kit shed. Uh, how did you get that? I mean, what, what, I mean, what sort of was there a cost? Was that was that a link to the the sports clubs which you use your facility? No, no, like it that? was uh, it it really was. Yeah, so we spoke to the, the the location where we play and just said we want to put a a pitch da- a, a, a kit shed near the pitch. Is that okay? And they said as long as it's over there and out of the way, so that it's not an eyesore, by all means. But we're not funding any of it. Yeah, so. Fine. Okay. So, we, so the club, we had, the club bought it basically. Yes. Yeah. So we had a we had a local uh, supermarket being built at the time. So we spoke to them, um, and they will do kind of outreach stuff. Yeah. Um, again, to try and locate the local people. So we got them to come and put the base down. So they they came and spent the day putting slabs down. So digging out the ground, putting the stuff down, putting slabs down. Yeah. Um, so they did all that work for us and gave us all that. And then we bought the shed and then 
um, yeah, seven or eight of us over a Christmas holiday, very cold weather, I seem to remember, put a shed up, um, nice. screwing it all together. And yeah, it was far more complicated than we thought it would be, but it was actually quite enjoyable um, actually finally getting it to dust. So yeah, it was a, I think it was a thousand pounds and it's a massive shed. It's like yeah. uh, nine meters by 16 meters or something. Oh. It's huge. So oh. it's, we fit everything in it, but we're, st- we're now in the process of outgrowing that, yeah. uh, getting a second shed, uh, mainly because of goalkeeping equipment. Right. Yeah, well, yeah, that's big kit. Yeah. That's big kit. So, okay. Uh, so processes, that, that's, that's kind of nailed that, really. I mean, now, it's, it's it's simple. Some of it's costly. Obviously, you spoke about, you know, provider. It, it can be costly, but it's the cost has, the cost has supported the club in able to, to make sure that the the right processes are in place to 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 take you from level A to level B in some respects. Yeah, and and I think it probably comes down to probably where we're going to next, which is if you understand what your club's uh, about and your makeup of your club, you can understand what decisions you have to make. So yeah. we're very lucky; we live in an affluent area. Um, it means that a lot of our members are very busy because they're working a lot, or they're transporting their kids around a lot, or whatever. But they aren't afraid to put that hand in their pocket if it makes life easier for them. Okay. So we can make those decisions and just go, right, well, if you're not willing to give up your time, we're going to invest in Pitch Hero. Yeah. And we're going to put the subs up because of that. Yeah. And are we the cheapest club in the area? No, we're not. Do we think we're very good value? Yes, we do. Okay. Okay. No, that's good. That's a good response. It's a good response to that. Um, and not, and not every club's going to be in that position. No, no, I was just thinking that. Every... Some clubs are going to have to use more volunteer resource or they're going to have to go for more grants or whatever but yeah. equally you know, we can't secure some of the grants that other people do because our demographic is affluent and so we just don't get the support of yeah. some of the funding bodies mm-hmm. that would fund less affluent areas but but also with other clubs there's people in there that you that they probably haven't asked like well, with your day job could you help with this you know yeah you builders know? carpenters yeah. Uh, who are fabulously skilled people and would yeah. and knock things up very quickly yeah yeah, yeah. Cool. Okay, number three was um, you were talking about being forward thinking and, and sort of strategy. What, what's what's that then? Where are we where what are yeah. we here? So, so this is now we've we're on an even keel. Uh, we actually get to have, spend committee meetings talking about who we are as a club, what we're trying to achieve as a club, rather than just uh, we have enough goalkeepers for Saturday or whatever. Yeah. Um, so, w- I guess what we informally did or probably slightly more formally than I give it credit for. Um, two or three years ago, we, we I've alluded to the fact that there's uh, seven clubs within eight miles. Mm-hmm. Um, what we've tried to do is really identify what what our strengths are and what, what we do differently to the other clubs in our area, but also not to the extent that we're trying to compete with the other clubs in our area. I mean, the, the, as an example of... Uh, maybe six or seven years ago, um, Hampton and Arden, who were probably the closest club to us, um, their first team were having a really bad year uh, for whatever reason, and they were struggling to even get people to turn up to training. So we spoke uh, as a club, and our first team went along and trained with their first team just to give their first team enough people at training to make training worthwhile. Um, and off the back of that, they did. They stayed up that year, and then some of their better players came back from wherever they were or whatever. I can't remember. It was long-term injuries. They were playing in a different division to us, um, and they've gone on from strength to strength to strength to strength. And they now play at a much higher standard than us. Yeah. Um, but but for us, we didn't see that as a problem of just supporting a local club, um, because we we try and identify what our identity is is as a club, and and so we're very clear. 
that our role within the local network is to be the club that supports as many people as possible and provides as much opportunity as possible um, with a family focus. It's not it's not to be the best playing standard. Um, it's not necessarily to win everything, but it is the, the club that is having to provide as many opportunities as possible. So every decision we make is based around that. It isn't based around trying to get to the highest league standard or whatever. And, and I think my own reflection is that a lot of clubs spend their entire time focusing on how do they get better league positions for their teams. Mm. And, and sometimes that just is, is detrimental to, to those clubs. So we are not going to play at a, a, as high a standard as Alton West Warwick's, uh, the National League club down the road. Um, so we shouldn't try to. Uh, we should try to. We should. We obviously want to aspire to play at a higher standard, but that's not our raison d'etre. Yeah. Uh, what we're trying to do is is provide opportunities for everybody. Um, hence why we looked at masters. Hence why we look at. So this summer we're running summer sixes, just because um, we our vets have decided to play in the summer league, but our men's first team haven't because our men's first team have actually a lot of them are family age. Um, and so they played all through the season and they don't want to play over the summer. So rather than entering a team that's going to get battered, um, we're looking for ways in which to provide the best opportunities for the people that do want to play, which generally is our 14, 15 year olds. Okay. Um, so they're going to play summer sixes, um, play at our place. Uh, it's close to the close to the clubhouse, so it's social. We've already contacted a few other clubs lo- locally and, and, and they're interested in doing it as well for exactly the same reasons. Um, so yeah, so we, that's where our focus is. Our focus is on, on, on understanding what we do, but also on understanding and appreciating what our, what the other local clubs do and, yeah. uh, and what they do well and not try to compete with them on that. So basically a USP. Yeah, USP. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. USP. Now, have you got that in a, di- and I don't know the answer to this, have you got this in a diagram that says, old Sohillians, we are boom, 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 because that, that'd be quite nice. No, we've, we've got it on our website and it's a bit of our, um, we have something around our sort of philosophy and our yeah. philosophy is uh, is uh, tagged with the, the, the acronym SPORT. Okay. So that's socialise, provide opportunities and then uh, recruit, retain and reward talent. Right, okay. So, and then there's just some headings under that as to, as to what yeah. we're trying to achieve. Um, but yeah, the, the sort of, the bit that uh, you and I were chatting about is that I think it's important when you, when you uh, have a strategy that you then measure yourself against that. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And, a, and a couple of things that we do, which might be of interest to people. Um, so alluding to earlier, a lot of people measure themselves on the size of the club or the levels their teams play at. We don't. Um, we're interested in those, but our, but two of our key measures are one is about churn. So we actually measure how many kids are playing, are turning up to training at the end of the season that turned up at the start of the season. We turn, we, we are confident we know pretty much every single player that leaves every year why they're leaving what they're leaving for um and and so our churn in terms of how many players are still coming back every year but also how many players are continuing to play throughout the year mm. um so so that's really important to us and we target ourselves that we don't have you know a, a, we have certain percentages so we want to have 75 percent retainment of players in certain age groups 95 percent in others 65 percent in others because we know that actually the youngest ones that come in a lot of them are just trying it and they might not stay um so we so we have we set ourselves measures against that so we can um, see how well we're doing in terms of the decisions we're making and whether they're the right things uh, and then the other one which um which is probably completely left field 
uh, is we measure how many three-generation families we have in the club. Um, when you told and, me this, I thought, I was thinking about it, about sort of a couple of clubs that I've been working with recently, and I was thinking, I don't even think they've got it. So, yeah, this is interesting. Yeah, so, so, so the logic behind this is that we are not the best playing standard club in the area, and we know that our best players will always leave and go and play elsewhere, and they go with our support, yeah. Um, and, and encouragement because we want them to play at the best level but what we also want to do is we want to make sure that we've given them such a positive experience with the club that when they leave the club they still think of yeah I'm playing at X club at a higher standard but B club is my home club that's yeah. the club that I would bring my kids to and I would want to play at the same side as my dad or yeah. mum at um, so that if they've got that mentality, then once they've gone to play at a higher standard, if they've played at the first team of a National League club, when they choose to bring their kids to a club or they choose to drop back downside, they don't do it at the club that they move to, they do it at our club. Right. Um, so they come back to play for us. So they you know, rejoin our Masters if they're that age bracket. They bring their kids to our junior setup. Um, and so the best way we thought of, of measuring that was how many families have we got where we could say we've got three generations that they've all come. They've all come and played. Whether they're all still here or not, don't know. But but it's yeah. it's one of those. Have they have they all played at the club? Right. Um, and do we trust that yeah. actually a fourth generation and a fifth ge generation will do so as well? Um, yeah. So yeah, I think wow. we're currently at, we're currently at four families that are three generations um, okay. at, at the Sills. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, like I said, it's pretty left field. Uh, not not sure that many clubs have uh, measured themselves around that. But it's an interesting way of. Of, measure, of measuring that just just before we move on on the old strategy and forward thinking section you mentioned earlier about um certain percentage rough percentages of people that you know you you're trying to retain throughout the year is there a is there a review of how could we retain those better have we lost some through xyz and could could we do that better for next year or is absolutely there... yeah yeah so we do that we do that at christmas and we do that um at the end of the season so uh, particularly around the juniors, I mean, we're a sort of 500, 500 member club of which 350, yeah. 380 of them are, are under 18. Okay. Um, so, yeah. so a lot of ours is around juniors. Um, so probably the, the main focus for us at the moment is around uh, retention of juniors. Mm. Um, how can we make it more fun for them? Um, how can we ensure that the coaching setup is strong enough? And then how can we make sure we get enough games for them? Yeah. Um, so one of the things that we... Uh, we struggled with historically was entering um, entering sort of competitions where we didn't get smashed by some of the stronger clubs. Yeah. Um, certainly the low age groups were getting better at that, but it, 14, 16, 18s, I'm still a strong believer based on what we've seen that the more age group stuff you can offer, the better chance you have of keeping the kids uh, at 14, 16, 18. Yes, they want to play adult hockey, but they also want to play with their mates. Yeah. Um, and so... Um, What's been really good is the, the, the tiering of the championships over the last few years uh, mm. and, and the sort of relaxation of rules because mm -hmm. um, it's allowed us to enter teams that can compete because we yeah. we pair up with other clubs or we, we enter the right tier. So regularly enter the under-14 development league stuff. Yeah. Um, we've entered the under-16 development league uh, boys this year um, and uh, there's there's a a tag that's now given to our under 16s team, which is Silsford, um, because it's half Old Sills and half Stratford. Right. Uh, and then we've won with two lads from Atherston as well. We couldn't quite get the name of them in. Right. Um, 
but they play and they compete and they play at a decent level. They're not the best side in the area, um, but the five lads or the six lads from Stratford and the five or six lads from from Sills and the two lads from Atherston are getting good games and they're enjoying it and they're they're playing as a team. Um, so they, you know, it takes a bit of organisation to to get them pulled together. But equally, two years ago we had a a mixed um, Leamington and Sills girls team, right. um, and it's just it, yeah, it's it, it's rather than going well we can't get a team out because we've only got five players or six players it's going well how can we get a team out and yeah. actually when we do get a team out don't worry too much about the results just yeah. just let them play because they still enjoy just playing yeah, um, yeah. And, and and we've got better you know we don't get hammered anywhere near as much as we used to but even when we did it wasn't it wasn't the be all and end all yeah i mean a, another podcast will probably come on and talk about competition and how competitions changed within the area and, and stuff like that anyway but that's definitely not for now that's sort of podcast two just looking <laughs> at uh, sort of time and how long we've been on uh, quickly then um thinking about challenges a lot of the stuff you spoke about there you know it seems so sort of simple and easy but i'm sure there's been uh, challenges along the way is the one thing that's been the major challenge along the way that you've really had to sort of fight hard with either membership or locally to try and get get this to work um i i, I think and this is probably the same for most most hockey clubs marketing um awareness mm. uh, something we don't do very well uh, is we don't get a local presence in in papers very well um that's one of the things that um, probably has gone by the wayside a little bit um, unfortunately our captains are still of the mindset that they should only send in a match report when they've won right. um, which, which when you're not winning all the time means that you don't send in many match reports yeah. um, which means the papers aren't interested so I, I certainly think um, the awareness of us uh, I mean we, we play on the same site as a big rugby club a very big rugby club yeah. um, and because of the history of, of AstroTurf and whatever um, we used to play somewhere else uh, at, at the time we played somewhere else the rugby club was huge we now play at the same site but whenever I tell people where we're playing they go oh at the rugby club you mean mm. um, so we've got people that live a mile and a half down the road from our ground and have no idea that anyone plays hockey there none at all um, they just think it's a rugby club um, and you know as, as one of the biggest clubs in the country it's a shame um, that, that people aren't aware even i mean it's a big site there's an astroturf there's lots of rugby pitches there's a big clubhouse yeah um, they're on uh, tuesday and it is a massive site <laughs> yeah 40 acres um and yeah so that's that's our biggest challenge uh, and something we still need to do something about and and the only fix for it we have at the moment is sending as many people into as many places as possible um and realistically that's not possible for a lot of people um we're quite lucky i've got a good network of people that i can call upon to do that um, but yeah, that's still that's still the ongoing challenge. How, how do you make those connections with local schools, local clubs, uh, local community, local community? Really? Full stop. Yeah, really, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I, I know back to hockey doesn't really work for us particularly well okay. because we're not very good at uh, getting out to the people that might want to play back to hockey. Yeah. We're really good at chatting to our own members, but that's yeah. not much use. Um, equally, we we we've tried flyers, uh-huh. um, but it's really difficult to to make people aware of flyers and get the right people aware and interested in flyers. So we've 
we, you know, we partnered up with Midlands Medcap and supported them a little bit, which has been great because they've been fabulous. Yeah. Um, and so we can take a bit of pride in what they're achieving, though it is very much them doing it. Uh, but we'd love to do some flyer stuff and, and, and we struggle to, but just because we don't have the right connections and we don't get out there enough. So, yeah, that's probably the biggest challenge. And it's, I'm afraid that's probably the biggest challenge for a lot of people and I don't have any answers right now. No, no. And, and this just, yeah, I mean... It, so it just just shows that you know you've had all this growth but actually one of the biggest things to get growth people believe is marketing and actually you've still not nailed it so imagine if you did nail it and I know if we think about what we want to try and achieve in the next two or three years and where the club wants to go marketing is going to be something that possibly has to sort of be looked at and you think right we need to, to get this to work more effectively it's never going to be perfect but if we can get marketing certainly to get your local community that are within that sort of two mile catchment area to know more about you you've got more chance you've definitely yes, got more and, chance and there are some there are some clubs out there that do it brilliantly and, yeah. and I think one of one of the other things that I'd probably just suggest that everybody does is is still with pride I yeah. spend a lot of my time every time the England Hockey Awards is up um, and the clubs of the year are announced the shortest I go on and I find out as much as I can about them why have they been good what have they done yeah. um, so one of the things we introduced a few years ago I think it was off the back of Seven Oaks winning club of the year they do club colours so yep. we now do club colours. Yeah. Um, so we we uh, we reward people who have played for the first team for five years and been on the main committee for three years. So they right. now get club colours, and that's only a really short list for us. That's not many people, so it's a really high-profile recognition. Um, but yeah, I remember going scooting around websites and Oldley Edge. I remember that I, I still as much stuff off them as possible because they're great. Uh, and there's loads of clubs that I just I spend some time just going onto the web. Internet's a wonderful thing these days because people's websites yeah. are so much better than they used to be. Yeah. And you can learn so much. In fact, I think it was how you and I first started talking. Um, Social media Lin- was, yeah, definitely. Uh, the Lindham or, or Lincoln Roses, uh, Roses as they were, got on Sky Sport doing was something it? and your yeah. website was Rush advertising Rocky. it. And, yeah, there we go. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's something that I, I probably need to do more of around the marketing side of things, just trying to steal as many good ideas off people as possible. Yeah. Getting onto Sky Sports is pretty hard, so if you can do that, then it'd be great for the sport. <laughs> uh, okay, look, this has been that's been again just another fascinating chat. You know, roughly sort of forty-five and forty-ish minutes there. Um, it's going to give clubs an idea, um, uh, certainly about how the old Silhillians have uh, risen through the ranks, uh, plugging the gaps, you know, processes, forward thinking and strategy, lots of little nuggets that people can sort of take away and, and go. And sort of part two of our chat will definitely come back into um, different bits around what sort of what competition elements have you given to the juniors, to seniors, what have you changed, you know, where, where possibly looking at sort of where you are locally, etc. So just, yeah. just picking up on your wording there slightly, you yeah. just said we've risen up through the ranks. Uh, I think critical bit to say is we haven't. Okay. We've grown. Uh, we haven't actually risen up through the ranks. Our okay. sides are playing at a slightly higher standard than they used to be, but our league positions are really not much different to what they what they were three, four, five years ago. Yeah. It's just people are enjoying playing for the club more, um, and our juniors. There's a lot more juniors. Yeah. Um, so I just I just want to be quite quite critical about that. Um, yeah, yeah. Because that's yeah. that's fundamentally one of the things that I believe. It's been important for us. We haven't focused on league positions and winning and getting promoted all the time. Yeah, sorry, my terminology of risen through the ranks <laughs> was um, risen through the ranks of the club. So where you were with less than a hundred affiliates to where you are now with over five hundred uh, affiliates, um, you know, substantial 
well, 600 really, just over that. So, you know, great. Okay, look, Steve, really appreciate your time. I'm sure we'll chat further, uh, office, phones, as normal, weekly basis, but uh, really appreciate it. And I think there's some cracking work being done by by the club and uh, it's amazing to hear over a 10-year period where you've got to and from and how you've achieved it. So thanks very much. Thanks, Gary. 